Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Father's Heart. I'm your host, uh, John Paul, and I um, just want to thank you for listening. Um, I apologize, I meant to have more episodes um, sooner, um, but things happen. Corona is real. I'm not saying I have it, but it's just real. It's in the atmosphere and it makes you tired. It makes you weak. And so sometimes I feel full of faith and full of energy. And sometimes I feel weak, I'll be honest. Um, but I'm here. I'm here. I'm here to give you a message. I want you guys to know that it's 3.36 in the morning on Saturday. But I, I really... I really want to encourage you guys because I just feel like the body of Christ is growing in such a great way. And you might not even be Christian, you're listening and you're just my friend. But I want to encourage you that, um, man, God loves you. God loves you and He wants to do something so great in your life. And even now, like maybe you're struggling to sleep. You're up now and you're scrolling. Like I was on a thread with Pastor Mike Todd of Transformation Church and, uh, and John Gray from Relentless Church and, um, and a friend, you know, from Florida. And I'm just like thinking to myself, guys, you know, before I go to sleep, you know, I need to do this. I need to post this because I want you to know that if you have the Spirit of God, if you have given your life to Jesus, then you're a minister. You're a minister of God. And that although, you know, I may be a pastor or might be studying to be a pastor, right? And that is my vocation. I am a pastor. I'm a shepherd. I'm called to equip the saints and um, encourage people to um, be their best, you know, and to to follow their God-given callings in their life and be there and, and chaplain and and, and be there in the highs and the lows. Um, but we're also ministers. And, and to be a minister of God is to really, like, you know, carry on the ministry of Jesus. Um, so I just want to encourage you with that. Um, and so in our last episode, if I remember correctly, I was introducing a book called The, the Jesus Book <laughs> um, by Michael Koulianos. And um, it's been a real blessing. And so um, I just want to like kind of go into that and like read that to you. And um, maybe you're already sleeping, maybe you're not. So when I post this, um, if you subscribe or however this works, I don't really know how it works. But if you're subscribed or you follow me, um, yeah, um, definitely listen to listen to it. Honestly, I've been reading before I go to sleep at night, and it's been helping a lot, guys. Um, I've been drinking water. I've 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 really cut down on drinking coffee. Um, I'm eating more, and I'm resting more. And I want you guys to know that if you're feeling sick or you're going through stuff, drink water. You need to drink water. You need to drink hot tea, like hot things. You need to take showers. You know what I mean? Like, you need to, like, really fight back. Like, fight back. Like, don't don't surrender 
and don't give in. You know, that's God's heart for you. That's the Father's heart for you, as He wants to see you to win, and He wants to whisper into your ear that He loves you and He has a great plan for your life, and He wants you to rest well. He wants to rest easy. He doesn't want you to strive. He wants you to walk according to the unforced rhythms of grace. Um, I'm 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 just a normal person like you. We're just regular people, you know. And we're just trying to be honest with what God has called us to do. And I just want to say that to you that that it's really important that you stay hydrated. And if you're not feeling well, like drink orange juice and different things like that. If you're fasting. Um, you know what I mean? Like, like do your research and like really ask the Lord, like, Father, you know, how do you want me to do this, this fast, Lord, and with everything that's going on? So anyway, I'm praying for you. I love you. Um, I'm about to get into this right now. So I'm going to read chapter one. It's called The Lover. And it's about Jesus being the lover of your soul. I hope you enjoy it. I hope it helps you. Um, to feel restful. I speak against anxiety. I speak against fear. I speak against um, voices that are lying, that are saying certain things. Um, I want to answer some questions too. Some of you have been um, messaging me on Instagram. And one of the, mess- one of the um, questions I've been getting from a few people is in the midst of this, how can a loving God allow such suffering? Hey, I want you to know that's a great question, and it's a it's a question that I've thought about for many years. But even now, as you're getting ready to lay down, or laying down already, man, I want to say, God does not send suffering. That is not good theology. God allows the certain things that we experience as suffering to allow us to grow into stronger people. He wants to use certain things that we consider suffering. And when we come out of it, we become stronger people with more wisdom and more understanding. So right now it seems like, how can all these people be dying when there's a loving loving God that exists? The truth is, is that there's such thing as sin. There's such thing as human depravity the human decline. And because of that, viruses happen. That's not God. That's just the fall of man. And so whether you agree with that or you you believe in that Calvinist idea or you think something else, um, I just want you to know that God is good. He loves you and He's good. And, And this hurts Him. Like we can hurt God. And we hurt Him when we willfully do things against him. And so, you know, I don't want you to be like woken up by this or anything because this is for you. This is the Father's heart for you. Um, I'm just a mouthpiece. But the Father's heart for you is to not be afraid or worried about any of that or or to question a loving God. God is love. And in him, there is no darkness at all. So I want you to be encouraged that even though this is happening, God is sovereign and he has it under control. He has it under control. He loves you. He's comforting you. 
I believe right now he's ministering to you and he's speaking to you and he's saying, I have you, I'm with you, I love you. I know it seems bleak. I know it seems like I should show up more. But believe me, I have a plan. Trust me, I have a plan. Wait till you see it. I'm going to unveil it and it's going to be so amazing. And the enemy, the enemy of our souls, is going to be so confounded and so put on blast that you are going to be like, wow, God is good. So I just want to encourage you with that. I just want to encourage you with, um, you know, what I've been doing. Like I said, drinking a lot of water, trying to be productive, spending a lot of time with God, a lot of time reading the Word, a lot of time reading books, equipping myself. I encourage you to do the same. Reach out to your friends. Get on those Zoom calls. Um, if you, um, yeah, I'm going to put on Instagram. My Instagram is at JP is lavished, at JP is lavished on Instagram. I'm going to put out a thing tomorrow for you to connect with me and we can pray together if you'd like. Um, but um, in, I'm going to transition now into um, the reading of the book, okay? Thank you so much. But before I do, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for Michael Koulianos. Thank you so much for this guy who wrote a book to communicate your heart to us. And what better time than right now to hear your heart when we're hurting, when we're afraid, when we're concerned. And I pray, God, that as you've blessed me and my friends in the reading of this book before I go to sleep at night, that it would bless the hearers even now, that they would be blessed and they would rest well, rest easy, knowing you've overcome the world. And if they don't know you, they could just simply say, Jesus, I don't know you, but I want to know you. I believe in you now. Teach me. Teach me. Minister to me and help me. Because right now I don't have answers. And they say you do. Teach me yourself. Show me your way. Forgive me. And I'll, and, you know, and I'll live for you. And that's basically it. In Jesus' name, amen. That's basically it, guys. Like, it's real simple. You know, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus raised from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your confession that, um... Ah, I forgot the other part. Oh, <laughs> well. Amen. It's like four in the morning. Um, all right. I love you guys. Um, gonna, um, just gonna take a brief pause. Come right back. And we're going to start chapter one, The Lover. You've been listening to The Father's Heart. Welcome back to the Father's Heart. Uh, my name is JP, John Paul. So nice to have you here with us. Um, I pray that you receive that prayer and that you begin your walk with the Lord. Um, so without any further ado, we can get back into this. Chapter 1, The Lover by Michael Koulianos. Jesus replied, You must love the, the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, 
in all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Matthew 22, 37 through 38. In 1732, John Leonard Dober and David Nitschman, both in their early 20s, left their jobs and families to become the first Moravian missionaries. These two young men had heard that 3,000 slaves from Africa had been taken to an island in the West Indies to work on the sugarcane plantations. God had placed a burden on their hearts to go to the island and present the gospel to these slaves who were forced to work there. But there was a problem. The British slave owner, who was an atheist, would not let any missionaries on the island. He defiantly announced, no preacher, no clergyman will ever stay on this island. If he's shipwrecked, we'll keep him in a separate house until he says to leave, but he's never going to talk to any of us about God. Since they couldn't get on the island as missionaries, there was only one other option. They had to be willing to be sold into slavery. Selling themselves to the British planter was their only shot. They took it, and if they were going to share the gospel with the slaves, they had to become slaves themselves. This wasn't a decision where they could come back in a few years. They would be working as slaves on the island for the rest of their lives and would never be able to return home. Their families were shocked and couldn't understand why they had made such a radical decision. They had sacrificed their freedom and their entire future to serve Jesus Christ in a most unusual way. They wanted more than anything to answer the call of God to reach slaves and please Him with their lives. On October 8, 1732, their family stood on the dock weeping, knowing that they would never see them again. As the ship pulled away with the young men aboard, they linked arms together and shouted to their loved ones they were leaving behind. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. These words became the anthem and inspiration for thousands of missionaries who would follow in their footsteps. Without realizing it, the two young men had birthed a missions movement. Over the next 150 years, the Moravians sent out 2,000 missionaries to the various places over the world. If you ask, what does it mean to love Jesus? You have just read one of the purest examples as special as this book is to my heart, the chapter that stands out the most to me is the one you are reading right now. The reason for this is because the first characteristic that springs to my mind when I think about Jesus is his great love. In fact, he is love. God is incredibly passionate about you. Christ is thrilled that you are beginning this journey into his tender heart. He can hardly wait for you to experience Him as your true love. As you continue reading, I pray that you will experience two privileges of great importance. First, that you will realize how much He loves you. Second, that you will fall deeply in love with Him in return. The two are forever linked together. The Most Important Commandment The scripture cited above Matthew 22, 37-38, shows us the commandment Christ considers to be the greatest. In fact, Jesus was not at all reluctant to answer the question which was asked of him by a Jewish expert in the law. He gets right to the point and declares that loving the Lord is the greatest of first commandment. Together, let's look, take a closer look at the heart of a motive 
of God regarding our love for Him. Thousands of commandments are recorded in the Bible. Not many recommendations, but a large number of commands. As you study His Holy Word, you will be amazed by the amount and detail of God's laws and requirements. However, this one divine instruction, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind, which means to love Jesus with an entire being, stands out from the rest. Since the, God of, since the Son of God validates this command, don't you think we should live by it and make it our greatest desire? And for a most important question, why is this command the first and greatest? Today the answer appears quite simple, but it took time. It took me until I was 30 years old to finally learn this from the Lord. I asked Him into my heart at the age of 12 and began preaching shortly after. Still I had never discovered this great truth. The answer is because our love is what Jesus desires the most from us. It's the, it's the dearest thing to his heart, which is why he made loving him the greatest of all commandments. It's breathtaking to think that out of everything God could have chosen, he longs most for our love. Jesus wants you to fall recklessly in love with him at this very moment. Your love is what he passionately yearns for. Will you give him will you give it to him? Love always gives what their beloved desires belong because love love longs to pray please. A trip to the desert. One of the most one of the many reasons I love the Lord so much is because I appreciate his simplicity. I admire how non religious he is and how plain and simple he makes the path to finding his love. I am not implying the journey will be easy, rather that He never makes things complicated. <clears throat> he always offers clear and direct answers that can turn chaos into peace and rest. There was a time in my life when I was confused and worried. I could sense that my time as a pastor in California was coming to an end. I knew that God had other things ahead and that He still had much for me to do. I just didn't know how to go about doing what He wanted. I could feel this book burning in my heart, but had no idea how to write it, let alone how to get it published. I felt a move of location was in my future, but wasn't sure where. All I knew was that Jesus was very real to me and that he had something fresh on the horizon. I decided to visit the Sisters of Mary in Phoenix, Arizona for a few days to have some time alone with the Lord. The Sisters of Mary is an evangelical sisterhood of nuns founded by Mother Basilia Schlink, whose writings are of great of gift from God and are life-changing. Her ministry was used by the Holy Spirit to draw me close to Christ and to fall in love with Him all over again. She passed away in 2001, but I honor her memory and thank God for her impact on my life, which still continues today. Two of the sisters, Sister Rebecca and Sister Pinia, have become very close to the hearts of my wife and me. They, gener they graciously listened to the cry of my heart and to what I was going through at the time. I will never forget sitting under a tree in a desert garden 
trying to sort through my confusion. When the sisters came and ministered to me, regardless of what I told them, the sisters always turned me back to the love of Christ and his heart toward me. The size of the issue didn't matter, nor did it change their answer. They simply used to trust in the love of Jesus and love him in return. Looking back on my life, I can honestly say that was the greatest advice I have ever received. Whoa, this is a large chapter. Amen. Only one thing. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he thought. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Please never forget these three words from the scripture. Only one thing. What is the one thing that Jesus refers to? The answer is in what Mary was doing. She was sitting at the feet of the Lord, delighting in his presence and loving him. Free from work and distraction, free from the stress that a religious meeting of great magnitude can create, her mind wasn't consumed with the work of ministry. Her focus was fixed on the beloved while Martha was busy working. Mary wanted nothing more than to close enough to the Lord to touch him and to hear his soothing voice. She wanted Jesus above all else, even above serving him. Love wants to be close to him. Scripture describes the desire beautifully by saying, Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 17:8. This is the one thing we all need and a treasure that can never be taken away. It is our love for the Lord, for the lover. When this is found, your heart is, will cry, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. Song of Solomon 6.3 This is a holy treasure and the pearl of great price. Hey, so, man, I'm feeling a bit tired actually myself. So I hope that was enough to help you fall and slip into REM tonight. Um, that's my goal, is that when I read, um, that I will read uh, long enough or steady enough, even if I can't finish the chapter, because how many of you know, reading does get tiring. It does kind of take from you. And I'm a bit hungry and tired now, but I really love you listening and being here with me, even if it's just one person and you needed to hear about the love of God, I pray that you were able to, um, I hope that you were able to at least hear that He loves you. Um, And we will continue more tomorrow. I will add more to this episode tomorrow, and we will continue to build on learning what it means to have Jesus as our lover, reading from Michael Koulianos' The Jesus Book. Um... I really just want to encourage you and uh, 
and love you. So I'm just going to um, close in prayer and just thank you so much for tuning in. This has been the Father's Heart, and I'm John Paul. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. I pray that everyone who is listening, even if it's just one person, Lord, I pray that they would know the lover of their soul and that they be encouraged that they're going to get through this and that they were born for such a time as this. That this is not a time to be worried or afraid. It's a time to be concerned and to be smart. But you are holy and just and true and that you have everything under control. And this is our time to go to you and say, Jesus, who are you? Who are you? You say that you're my lover. What does that mean? I know, I know JP has been reading and I'm listening to this podcast, but what does that mean? Maybe you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for a long time, and you're asking yourself, what does this mean? And maybe you're not a Christian at all, and you're just intrigued. I pray that you would just ask God, to talk to God. Just be like, God, help me understand what it means that you love me, that you desire me, that you're my lover. That sounds crazy. How can God be my lover? I pray, Lord, that you would minister to them right now, even as they're sleeping, Father, even as they're resting, that you would calm them, calm their thoughts, calm everything, God, I come against, anything, Lord, bipolar, I come against um, emotional distress, I come against heart wounds, God, I come against anything, that is warring on their soul and I speak peace be still peace be still and I let the lover of their soul have sovereignty Jesus you are the lover of our soul we ask you to woo us to romance us to teach us of the unforced rhythms of grace even now, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. This is the Father's Heart. Talk to you tomorrow. Good night. Welcome back to another episode of Who Dares Wins. I'm your host, John Paul. Uh, the last time I was with you, we were reading from uh, Michael Kulianos's The Jesus Book, um, Fall Recklessly in Love with Jesus. Uh, this book is amazing. Uh, the last time I was with you, I was reading to you from, the, from chapter one, The Lover, and um, I'm going to continue there where I left off. Uh, the last time... The, so, yeah, so we were in the middle of chapter one, 
and I'm just gonna get right back into this and and uh, and go for it. I want you guys to know that even as I'm reading this and even now I'm feeling faith and I'm feeling encouragement right now, but man, I am not feeling well. Like I have days where I feel really great and days where I don't feel good at all. Like I feel pain in my body, all these things, but not like super, super pain where it's like, you should go to the hospital. I'm just saying that like the atmosphere and what is going on is very real. So we should, um, so I encourage you to pray. I can encourage you to read the Bible. I encourage you to lean in and hear this word and really let it go beyond your ears. Let it go into your soul. Let it go into your body. And I believe that the reading is going to actually heal your physical body. So I just want to encourage you with that. Um, and so before I go back into reading, I'm just going to say a quick prayer. Father, thank you so much that you love us. Thank you so much that you sent Jesus to die on the cross. That even when we feel affliction or pain or we might be sick right now, we might be one of those numbers with the case, uh, with the with the virus or whatever, God. Um, I pray for everyone who might be hurting right now, and I pray healing over them right now. I pray that this word would not just encourage the listening, or like it would just be smooth and like help them to sleep, although that is the goal. I pray, Lord God, that it would go into their ears, into their soul, and heal their physical body. I believe you're a God that still heals today, and that's what we've been learning about. We've been learning that you still heal and that you are real and you are a person. Love is a person and it's Jesus. It's you, God. It's you and it's and, and it's personified in your son who you sent. So God, I just pray right now for everyone listening, for healing, healing God in their mind, body, soul, and spirit in Jesus' name. Thank you so much. And now back into the reading. You've been listening. This is the Father's heart for you. Um, you receive Jesus and he receives you. What a privilege. People can lie about you, ruin your reputation, steal your money, and attempt to wreck your life. They can rob you of what you have spent years trying to attain. But there is one thing they can never steal from you because they didn't give it to you in the first place. This one thing. I set aside for you and the lover of your soul. It is private property that God himself guards and is extremely protective of. You may ask, don't I need to do more with my life than just loving Jesus? Shouldn't I be loving others and helping mankind? What about pursuing my dreams? If you love Christ, you can't help but do all those other things. St. Augustine said, love first, then do what you please. Love for Jesus is the source for his serving him. If you love him, you will want to do what he desires. One who loves the Lord will not want to offend him. Even the key to the removal of sin in your life is a deep love for God. If you love me, obey my commandments, John 14:15. You will find that as your love for him increases, you will accomplish more than you would have ever dreamed. Plus, you will be doing things the right way. With him in mind, 
you will never desire to embarrass or let him down since all you accomplish will be for his sake. Even self-sacrifice must be done for his sake. If it is to be accepted by the Lord, many people forget about Jesus when they serve him. Christ said, He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Matthew 10.39 If you attempt to succeed without loving him, you will wear out and be unfulfilled. As the Apostle Paul writes, Though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. 1 Corinthians 13.3 Falling in love with him and sitting at his feet should be the foundation of everything we are and all we do. Now, close your eyes and clear your mind of all distractions. Ask the Lord to make this one thing your ultimate desire. Come to his feet by faith. Believe that he is with you and that you are literally in his presence. You are with the master now and nothing else matters. Whisper to him, Jesus, it is you I want, not blessings, just you, not help, just you. Dear friend, this is a prayer that he loves to answer. Once Jesus becomes your prayer, you are finally praying. When you discover Christ in this way, and he is made real in your heart, you will begin to sense his great love, and you will soon begin to love him in return. This is the place of great achievement and true success. The person who finds the Lord and loves him cannot fail in life, because love never fails. He loves to love you. His love for you is different than any love you have ever known. It's not limited to emotions and unlike human love. It is not here today and gone tomorrow. It doesn't depend on your bank account, where you live, your college degree, the amount of time spent in church, number of Bible verses you have memorized, how you look or how old you are. His awesome love is unconditional and eternal. It is absolutely beyond our comprehension. God promises, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 31.3 This means His love is so great that it has no beginning and no end. It cannot be measured. The best news is that Jesus is thrilled beyond measure to show you His love. He says, You have ravished my heart, sung a Solomon 4.9. His greatest pleasure is to give this love to you. Did you know that you have captured the very heart of God? Have you ever loved another person to the extent that you don't know whether you should bring, you should hug or squeeze them until they scream? The kind of love that feels so good it hurts. He has this same passion for each of his children. In fact, his love has brought you to this moment in your life. It is his love that led you to read the book. Christ's love is literally drawing you to himself. The scripture says, We love him because he first loved us. The reason you long to love him is because his love for you is pulling you into intimacy. He does not want to wait a second longer for your heart. He is offering his love to you right now, hoping you will return what he so freely gives. Please do not reject his offer. Jesus proves his love. The Son of God is not asking that you love him without a reason. Scripture tells us, Rightly do they love you. Song of Solomon 1.4 He is worth loving, and it is right to love him. Nothing could be more appropriate. 
He is the fairest of ten thousand. His beauty stands alone, and there is no one more worthy of your love. The Lord has arranged it so that we are without excuse when it comes to returning his love. He endured and suffered much to reveal how deeply he longs for us. Jesus' entire life on earth was an act of selfless love. From his birth to his suffering and death, it was love being demonstrated. Every miracle and healing he performed was because of his intense passion for his people. Every wound on his back and the very cross he endured is because of his limitless love. As you continue to discover the Lord while reading these chapters, I am praying that you hear these words flowing from his heart. I love you with all my heart. And it cost me everything to prove it. It cost my life. John 3.16 is quoted and used by people all over the world. But I wonder if they actually take time to digest the words and consider its true meaning. <clears throat> For God, <clears throat> excuse me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Notice that God didn't just love you, he so loved you. This is incredible, how overwhelming love caused him to send his only precious son into a sinful world to die. Amazing love. I will never forget playing with our oldest son, Theo, when he was a baby. He used to love for me to hold him up high and act like he was flying. One time I held him up and let him touch the wall. When I did this, I instantly saw a picture of God the Father offering his son to die on the cross and allowing him to be lifted in shame. I was shocked by what the Lord allowed me to feel in that moment. I asked myself, could I offer my son for my memories, for my enemies? I was frozen by the thought. I love my two sons, Theo and Benny, more than words can describe. To offer them in death for a friend is beyond my imagination, let alone for an enemy. The Bible clearly teaches that we were enemies of God, yet Jesus still gave his life for us. See Romans 5.10. Never again question God's feelings towards you. His love is so great that it makes no sense at all. No reasoning in the world can comprehend it. This truly is an amazing love. The very arrival of Jesus is marked and flooded with love for mankind. He came to suffer for you, and he did so willingly. Christ's purpose on earth was to demonstrate his feelings toward you so that you would truly understand and appreciate all he did on your behalf. He could have found a way to escape the suffering he endured. But his love had to be shown. Only Jesus offers a love that has so been proven. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. John fifteen thirteen, Our husband. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is more delightful than wine, Song of Solomon 1-2 says. This scripture reveals the precious heart of someone who is in love with Jesus. We want to hear, we want to be near him like any bride should. We want to draw close enough to kiss his face. Have you ever stopped to realize that a true believer is married to God, 
He says, I will make you my wife forever, Hosea 2.19. We are also told, your maker is your husband, Isaiah 54.5. Once this truth is revealed to you by the Holy Spirit, you will experience him in a new depth. The wife belongs only to the husband. In the same way, you must know that because of his great love, God is jealous of you. A garden enclosed is my sister, Song of Solomon 4.12. Jesus wants no rivals to come between you and him. He waits. He wants us all to himself. In fact, one of his names is Jealous, Exodus 34.14. Jesus said, you cannot be my disciple unless you love me more than you love your father and mother, your wife and children, your brothers and sisters. You cannot come with me unless you love me more than you love your own life. Like any husband, he expects that our eyes look to him and only him. I have seen so many men become jealous when their wives give attention to other men. They want the love of their wives to be theirs and theirs alone. They have every right to desire this. How much more does God deserve our undivided love? We must never place it in things or money, but in him. He wants you all to himself. Time with Jesus. In order to have a quality marriage, a couple must spend time together. Words of love must be exchanged privately and face to face. How can a marriage survive when there's no quiet time with each other? Some couples have sacrificed their union because they have neglected this alone time. Wow. As a result, the union becomes incredibly surface. They miss the old days when they first got together and things were exciting and fresh. Does this sound familiar to you? Our marriage is. Our marriage to Jesus is no different. He desires the one-on-one intimacy that you once shared with him when you first gave him, when you first gave him your heart. Hear his request. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Song of Solomon 2.10 Lovers crave the love of the beloved. They want him to look at them differently than the rest. They ask him, keep me as the apple of your eye. Psalm 17, 8. If you have drifted away from the Lord, remember he longs to share his feelings with you and desires that you open your heart to him once more. What could be more valuable than spending precious time with your eternal husband? If this intimate relationship is not maintained and nurtured, Your marriage to Jesus will suffer like any other union. Christ has been and will continue to be the perfect husband. He protects and provides and will never forsake you. However, it is our choice to accept his offer to spend time in his presence and remain close to him. Come on, somebody. Is this good? I'm 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 so encouraged right now. I'm 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 really encouraged right now. I just I feel like you know so many people they just read, but I want to interact with it. I want you to I want you to know that I'm being moved by it too while you're listening. And so um, yeah, like that I'm interacting with the text as well. First love, we must fully grasp the kind of love God wants from us. And that he has for us. Jesus makes it clear that he desires a specific kind of love. 
a certain passion that satisfies him. It is a love which puts all things in proper order, making him and his feelings top priority every second of our lives. Actually, it is the only love that he will accept. It's called first love. This means that the heart of Christ takes priority in all you do, think, and say. We should constantly ask ourselves this question. Will this hurt him or bring him joy? First love rises above all people and their demands, and you will be tested in the process. God gives us a way to measure our love for him. It's called obedience. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. John 14, 21, 23 through 24. What a reward for obeying and loving the Master. We are loved by the Father, and Jesus will reveal himself to us. Both the Father and the Son promise to live and make their home with us. This indescribable blessing is ours if we simply possess first love, making him our everything. You are all in all. You may have to put friends and family aside for times of prayer or make decisions that upset them, except upset those close to you. We are talking about the love you had when you first met the Savior of your soul, when he was your all in all and the focus of your heart. It is a passion that lives for the lover and elevates him to the very throne of our hearts. Jesus speaks of this first love when he addressed the church at Ephesus in Revelations 2 which is known as the loveless church. The congregation was experiencing what many churches go through, and perhaps you have experienced the same. They fought for the truth of the faith and opposed lies that were trying, um, <laughs> that were trying, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to skip, yeah. As a lover, every action we make is to be fueled by a first love for God. Without it, our works are empty and we begin putting our deeds above Him. The Lord knows that if our love for Him is great, these works will follow naturally and will withstand the test of time, and any other effort will fail and is temporary. The highest honor is not to simply be used by God. Many people we read about in Scripture who were used by the Lord were also judged and punished severely by him. Look at Judas. He performed miracles with the rest of the disciples and helped in giving to the poor. He was part of the ministry of Christ. However, it was one thing Judas lacked, first love. This is why he was found stealing money from Jesus' ministry, even while he was a disciple. John twelve six. Yeah, read it. It's true. He would ultimately betray the Lord. A false love. You can be actively working for the Lord, but still not love Him. Come on. The judgment on such a person is frightening. To the church at Ephesus, the Lord warned that if they did not return to their first love, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Revelations 2.5 
What was he referring to according to Scripture? The seven lampstands are the seven churches, Revelations 119. Jesus has every right to remove his blessing and power from a church that falls out of love with him. This is a scary thought, but it is as true as the Bible itself. If the house of worship you attend is just going through the motions, begin to pray that Christ would use you to help birth first love in the hearts of the people. After all, if God used a donkey and a colt to bring Jesus into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, he can use your prayer and life to bring his presence to the hearts of those in your church. Don't make your objective simply to be used by God. Rather, make it your goal to have, quote-unquote, first love, and then being used of him will naturally follow. First love may seem like it's a bit much. Maybe you think that Jesus is asking a great deal from you. But remember, who is asking for this love? He is God. He died for you. And He is your eternal husband who has every right to ask for your love in this way. The ultimate price. A friend shared this true story about a boy in another country who truly loved his Savior. This youngster was confronted by a band of men who hated the Lord and his teachings and didn't want any more to love or serve him. They were determined to remove Christianity from the area in which they lived. This is an incredible story. If you're falling asleep already, amen. <laughs> the young believer was asked by these angry men to forsake and renounce Christ. When you wake up, you can listen to it. <laughs> the boy refused to reject the one he loved, so they cut off his arms. Let me read that again. The young believer was asked by these angry men to forsake and renounce Christ. The boy refused to reject the one he loved, so they cut off his arms. Again, they demanded that Jesus be renounced, but the boy would not obey. Next, they cut off his legs. The young man would not turn his back on the lover of his soul for anything in the world, so they cut the boy in two. Only first love can give the strength to go through such pain and agony. It is the only power that will strengthen you to endure persecution. Jesus promised that we will face persecution for his sake. It will surely come and intensify as his return approaches. Just a quick question. What would you leave him for? Have you left the Lord for much less than this boy faced? If so, come back and pledge him your love once again. Cheating on God. Did you know that you can cheat on God? Most people never realize that they can actually cheat on the Son of God and break his heart. No true bride wants to grieve her husband. Someone who is passionately in love with him is frightened by the very thought of hurting their lover. The Lord called the nation of Israel prostitute because they went after other gods or idols. See Hosea 9.1. Today, our culture is filled with idols. We can chase them just as easily. They just look a bit different in our society. Our idols can include social status, money, cars, homes, work, family, or even our church. For those of you working in full-time Christian service, your ministry may even be your idol. There is a definite distinction between Jesus and ministry, and we are to love him first. 
Anything we place before our love for Christ is considered an idol in His sight and according to Scripture. We are cheating on God when we seek these things above Him, even though these idols look different than they did thousands of years ago. <clears throat> One second. Five-second praise break. Uh, yeah, praise the Lord. <laughs> Okay, I'm back. In his heart, they produce the same disappointment. He sees it as being unfaithful in your marriage to him, a betrayal, and it hurts him deeply. He is extremely sensitive to this issue of our faithfulness. How do you feel about that? Just think about that before I go into this um, next part. Um, I just want you to be thinking about that. Um, this idea that what does it mean to you that Jesus is intimate, that Jesus is emotional, and that we can affect Jesus with our devotion or our lack of devotion, similar to a, a marriage? You know, what does that say to you? Maybe you're not married. Maybe, maybe you're um, just dating or you're praying to date someone. When you're thinking about it, you might not be a Christian right now. I want you to think about that. Think about that. This this idea that, that God, through Jesus, is actually emotionally responsive to you. That you have a personal relationship with the God of the universe, whether you know it or not. You can affect God. And He's moved by you. That's why, as a as a Christian, as a pastor, I encourage you, pray. Pray. He loves to hear your voice. He loves to see your creativity. And he loves to be with you and present with you in all things. How to fall in love with Jesus. The true sign that God is our Father is whether or not we love Jesus. As the Lord told his religious critics, If God were your Father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me, John 8, 42. Did you know that your love is the reward that Jesus receives from the cross? He yearns for it daily. It wouldn't be right if his love was never returned. How horrible it would be if he showed such love only to never receive it from those he died for. Your love is the trophy of his sacrifice. Before we go any further, you must answer this question. Do you really know how much Jesus loves you? Remember, God loved us first. And what we give him in return is simply a reflection of this love. We love him because he first loved us. 1 John 4.19 The Holy Spirit and the only the Holy Spirit can reveal the love of God to you. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us, Romans 5.5. 5. Now this is the perfect time to ask Him to help you. Simply say, Precious Holy Spirit, reveal the love of Jesus to my heart. In order for you to really fall in love with Christ, you must first realize His great love for you. God showed 
how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. 1 John 4, 10 and 11. Even when you didn't desire Jesus at all, he loved you. When you wanted nothing to do with him, he wanted you. When you were running away, he was running toward you. When the world hated him, he died for all. To truly love Christ, we must accept the fact that our sin sent him to the cross. It was our faith, filth. <clears throat> I almost said it was our faith. Uh, no, <laughs> it was our filth that created such a horrible situation and caused him to suffer and sacrifice his life. Until you fully comprehend the magnitude of this, you will never know a passionate love for the Lord. You must personally take responsibility for your sin and what God had to do permanently to erase it. In addition, you must understand the purity of Jesus and how detestable our sin is in comparison. Ask Him to allow you to feel the pain your sin has caused His heart. When we experience this anguish, we begin to walk the path that leads to true love for God. When we experience this when we experience this anguish, we begin to walk the path that leads to true love for God. You have been forgiven much. The Father judged His Son because Jesus had to become your sin. How our sin hurt Christ. What it cost Him. Our sin was so awful in God's eyes that it would cost an unimaginable price to pay the debt. Perhaps you don't think your sin was as big deal and that others have done much worse. Please don't fall into that trap. The Holy Spirit will let you feel what your sin looked like in the eyes of God. Then and only then can you begin to fall in love with Him. It's at that moment that you will realize you have been forgiven much. This is a pivotal step in falling in love with the Lord. True love is right around the corner. It might hurt to get to this point, but it is well worth it. You may weep with guilt and conviction, but this is necessary. This is the road to love that very few want to walk. Realize your sin, and you will find that God nailed it to a cross. You will want it no more. Then, when you ask Him to forgive you, you will find that He will do it with ease and with love you will discover that he will never remind you of your sin again. He will never hold it against you, and you will realize how much he wants you. You will find that he is in love with you, and you are fair in his eyes. You'll be amazed that he has accepted you regardless of your past. Now love is birthed because you finally realize just how much you have been forgiven of. Now you love much. The scripture contains the key. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who has forgotten, or I mean, a person who has forgiven little, shows only little love. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who has forgiven little, 
shows only little love. Luke 7, 47. A patient love. One of the most powerful examples in God's word depicting mercy is the life of Peter, the disciple who denied the Lord three times before the crucifixion. After the resurrection, we find Peter jumping off a boat, swimming to get to Jesus for a breakfast on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. I like to picture me in a, in a boat, like on the water, off the coast, off like the land or whatever. I don't know how you would say it. I'm not that smart. I got a good, good GED. <laughs> Amen. Um, I am smart in Jesus' name. Anyway, and so are you. Um, but I like to picture me um, in Miami Beach. I'm on the water and I see the land and I see Jesus like calling me over and I just jump out of the boat and I can't even swim that good but I just jump out of the boat and I swim to shore man before I go back into this and I'll probably just start over from the beginning of this paragraph but I want to say to you the greatest decision I ever made in my life was giving my life to Jesus I it's hard to explain sometimes because what he's done in my life seems ridiculous. But the greatest decision I ever did was give him control of my life. Even when I was struggling, even when I was so involved in certain things, he was faithful. When I was struggling and asking him, what does my faith mean, God? He was faithful. He is such a lover. He has loved me way more and better than anyone has ever loved me. And he has taught me and is continually teaching me what love actually really looks like. See, if you want to know what love is, if you want to know how to love in this coronavirus, like in this COVID-19 season, embrace the love of Jesus. He will show you. He will guide you. He will love you. He will hold you through it all. He is a sure foundation. So yeah, just jump out of the boat and swim. Jump out of the boat and come to shore. just want to give that to you. Just want to give that to you. Jump out of the boat and swim. I pray you have dreams and dreams and visions that God downloads new information and new ideas. That He heals things that only He can heal. I pray that He's with your marriage. He's with your kids. Maybe you're a single father. I pray that you would be blessed right now. That you are a man and you are a father and he loves you. And this is his heart for you. That you would love the Lord. That you would receive his love as he loves you. One of the most powerful examples in God's word depicting mercy is the life of Peter. The disciple who denied the Lord three times before the crucifixion. 
After the resurrection, we find Peter jumping off a boat, swimming to get to Jesus for breakfast on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Peter knew that he had much to be forgiven of. He remembered when he wept bitterly after denying Christ just days prior. Matthew 26.75 He was well aware of how much he had hurt him. But this was his moment for redemption. While the others stayed behind to haul in the giant catch of fish that the Lord had provided, Peter dove into the water to swim to the master. He wasn't consumed with the abundance of fish. He wanted his lover back. He wanted the Lord more than he wanted his blessing. Oh, that we would all desire Jesus more than the things he gives us. Peter outran everyone to meet him. Why this passionate outburst? Why such fervor? He knew he had been forgiven much, and now he loved much in return. Peter must have been amazed that after all the heartache and pain he had caused, Jesus still wanted him. Jesus still wanted you and was calling you to be by his side on the seashore. While the disciples were all together, Christ asked Simon Peter, Do you love me? John 21, 15. The Lord didn't ask the question once, but repeated it three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter had to be embarrassed since the others were sitting there listening to the conversation. They knew that Peter had denied the Lord three times, but now Jesus was forgiving him and offering him another chance. Yes, Peter had denied him three times publicly, but now God was giving him the opportunity to declare his love three times publicly. Yes, Peter had denied him three times publicly, but now God was giving him the opportunity to declare his love three times publicly. See, whoever's listening to this, understand that you might have denied the Lord in public, but he will give you an opportunity to declare his love again. In public. See, I want my life to be a platform and not a prison. Your life is going to be a platform and not a prison. God has so much for you. This coronavirus is just one season. We will get through this. We will pass through this. And you're going to sleep through this. You're going to get rest. This is for you. The Bible is good. It's good. It's good. I encourage you to read it. I encourage you to pray and like ask God, God, show me, show me how you're a lover. What is John Paul saying? Why am I listening to this podcast? Like, what is the Father's heart? What? Our loving husband has the right to ask us all who claim to be his this the same question. Peter was consumed by the love of Jesus in this moment as his master was giving him another chance. Now the love of God was being revealed to this disciple who had failed him just days prior. In such a moment, love is birthed. 
Peter found that Christ's love overshadowed his own failure. He discovered that Jesus still wanted him in spite of the pain he caused the Lord. This type of love doesn't make sense, and it is not fair to God. This is what makes it so priceless. All Jesus wanted was Peter. All Jesus wanted was John Paul. All Jesus wanted was Sharon. All Jesus wanted was Bob. (laughs) All Jesus wanted was Jamal. All Jesus wanted was Sharon. All Jesus wanted was Natalie. All Jesus wanted was Wendy. All Jesus wanted was, you know, um, Muhammad. You know, just, I don't know, just for, for all of you, for everyone. He just wanted you. All Jesus wanted was you. I love that. I really, I really love that. Um, yeah. So, um, whoo, wow. Thank you, Jesus. Whew, I got excited and I lost my place. Oh, man. I hope Michael Koulianos doesn't like kill me for this. Um, found it. Thank you, God. All Jesus wanted was Peter. And now all Peter wanted was Jesus. And now all John Paul wanted was Jesus. And now all Sharon, Natalie, Veronica, Rebecca, Monique, Stephanie, Jim, Bob, Jamal, you know, Elijah, amen, you name it, was Jesus. This truly is amazing love. Instead of running away in shame, Peter ran to the one he had hurt. Not even the waters of the Sea of Galilee could keep Peter away from this tender Christ. He made the right choice and would ultimately die a martyr's death by being crucified upside down for his commitment to the Lord. Only those who truly love God finish with strength. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. Psalm 18.1 This is a far different Peter than the one who denied him when he questioned by a young man. You may ask, how could there be such a change? It was divine love for Christ that was birthed in his heart by the Holy Spirit. Nothing changed the heart like the love of God. It is beyond compare. Regardless of how you have heard him, his love is available to you this very moment. Run to him, and you will never be the same. Dear Jesus, what a lover you are to me. I am amazed by your love. I can't believe that you would willingly die for me when I had forgotten about you. It seems almost too good to be true that you want me as I am. And in return, I receive you. I want to love you as a bride loves her husband. I want to fall in love with you all over again. Constantly show me my sinful ways. So I will always love you more. Never let me forget the cross and help me remember how much you want my love. From this moment on, let me fall in love with you daily, with my whole heart. Amen. Thank you so much. This has been an episode of The Father's Heart for You. We've been reading the Jesus book. 
Fall Recklessly in Love with Jesus by Michael Culianos. Sweet dreams and God bless.